Welcome to Bible Over Brews News. Deep thought it over times of headlines. I'm Aaron Juice Baverka. I've got Gumby. Hey, what's up? Sure. Oh. I've got Keith. Let me put on my mask. <laughs> We're covering all kinds of cool COVID news. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Before we do that, we are going to have some hazelnut tiramisu underverse. This looks delicious. Somewhere in the blackness of space, there lies another verse, the Underverse. Upon crossing the threshold, one returns change. Some call it enlightenment, while others call it nirvana. Our bourbon barrel-aged imperial milk stout has returned from this long journey. During its time in bourbon barrels, it slumbered genuine Madagascar vanilla beans, cocoa nibs, and six-shooter coffee beans. We then infused this batch with hazelnuts, resulting in a rich, bold beverage reminiscent of the delectable Italian dessert, tiramisu. This is a dessert here, for sure. I I mean, that has some... Oh, look at that that color. punches you in the face with flavor. It is. It's like, pow! Dude. Did you guys, did the room just fill with the smell as soon as you opened the can? Oh, this yeah, is amazing. That was amazing. amazing. Look at that. The color is so rich. I, I actually oh, prefer man. in the glass better than the can. It disperses, I think, a little bit. Smell that. It should the I, nose is like I, overpowering. It's really good. I did do something with this though. I mean you could immediately I can smell the six shooter coffee. It's really good. Oh, so good. I mean that's whew. And and it definitely has the the after aromas of of bourbon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, because I, I love me some good bourbon, and it smells like bourbon infused coffee. Mm. Oh thick. wow! Really good. Wow, if that is amazing. Years though, I don't think that I'd like. It. I agree. They, they they stopped at the right stopping yeah, point. I agree because it's sweet. But it's not overbearing. If I were, if it tastes like a root beer float, I mean, that is a dessert beer if I've mm. ever had one. It's probably the dessertiest beer I've ever had. Oh, it is 12, 12% or something. It's not, it's not messing around. 12 and a half. Wow. No. It's not, I'm seven, crying tears. Yeah, joy. it's not playing. It don't, yeah, the other strong Ooh. beers I have that are usually over 10, they mm. usually have a little more bite. Like they almost have like a, feel like a shot going down. They have a little burn. Yeah. A little tickle. This one don't have that. Good this is Lord. just like, Masthead, good Drink job. Fun. Good job. By the way, these were the last ones that Masthead had. So we this is it right here. <laughs> last batch. What do you think, Keith? That is, I'm I'm just I'm crying tears of joy. This beer <laughs> is beautiful. I actually I apologize for that my wife pops up on the camera because I literally I messaged her right now and said you have to pop down here and taste this beer. It's so good. I this almost is... gave you another one for her. It... Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't drink. That. She would. I wasn't she, sure if she drunk or not. There's just enough in this extra in this can that like it'd be like all. Oh, she doesn't drink usually a whole can, so this is perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's it's rich too, and it's a little bit thick, mm-hmm. but it it's so smooth. I mean, that's good. No, it's classy. It is good. It's classy. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, speaking of things that are good, all those uh, thoughts and prayers on good health and. Financial, how's that doing for you guys right now? How's everyone? Uh, your prayers keeping life good? Spring, co- just 
Right? God really protected us from this pandemic, huh? Way to be, guys. Life could always suck more. What's that? Life could always suck more. It's true. It could suck oh, more. Spoken quite true. Spoken quite it true. It could suck more. Yeah. But it doesn't have to suck at all. But you're all powerful. God didn't do much to stop this. He's like, hey, guys, you're on your own. Go for it. Hey. No one has it. He has a powerful <laughs> for no one to die from this. And yet it's not happening. Well, here's the thing. And again, I'm going to say this over Don't and over. Don't people pray for good health all the time again. and good like financial stability? That's I'm going to say this over and, and over it's not happening. And they're getting again. ravaged across <laughs> the world. I mean, is this, think of all that time wasted on prayers. Time wasted on prayers. Are they wasted though? Every second. If you were, hey, listen, right now, if you, if you were praying for financial stability and good health. Okay. For you and the planet, all right. Every second of that was wasted. So what happened to Jesus? Did did he just simply say, you know what, guys, I'm gonna go to heaven and alight myself upon this cloud, or did he suffer the consequences of being human and get tortured and and get beaten and get condemned and wait, hold on. Wasn't there 12 apostles and weren't all of them beaten multiple times and murdered? I mean, so we can say that being a Christian is supposed to make everything all good, but we know better. And in fact, almost every single one of the saints, or at least a good, what, 60% of them were martyred, right? So, okay. so how does that help the, uh, prayers that were wasted argument because this is the, the just the start of your life okay when you die is actually when you come to the fruition of your life all right when you cross over mm, when you cross that's over, a bag of goods i mean who sold that to you juice i mean <laughs> this 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 is the pre-game this is the triads. Oh, Lordy. This is the triads. Oh, you actually haven't started your life yet. This is where oh, you got. To, this is Lord. where you find out if you get to actually have a life. This is the triads. The ball game hasn't started yet. So what's right? the next stage? Enlighten me. The next stage. Next stage is eternity. And so wait, it's either an eternity heaven or an eternity in hell. Yeah, something like that. I, I, I mean, is it something I mean, like that or is that? I mean, there is a is purgatory that, in between, but. How, why are you spending an eternity in hell if God's all forgiving and everything like that? I mean, it sounds like you. I mean, that's pretty stiff. It's actually, it's actually your choice. It's actually your so choice. So I can leave hell whenever I want. No, it's your choice of which way you go. You get to pick. Yeah. What's purgatory then? Purgatory you is. Don't watch Supernatural. <laughs> I was. I watched about ten minutes of it today. <laughs> Supernatural is a great show. Um, so. Purgatory is the place you go to cleanse you of any leftover sin you have before you pass on. And by the way, that's not a Christian concept. We inherited that from Jewish thought because it's actually it actually came from the Jewish writings. And so well, it was – Gummy would say the Jews. It was <laughs> – <laughs> 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 Is that okay? Well, we have to cut that from. I am not anti. <laughs> he really isn't. He really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over before we get. Yeah. George, leave. You we have a COVID nineteen. <laughs> uh, take George's beer away. Uh, so no, I mean, here's the funny thing. So um. Uh, the look uh, on your face just now, Gumby. You're like, wait, whoa, whoa, is this recorded? You're like, it is. My career's over before it begins. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> ostracized. Uh, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> there was. So, by the way, for any of the, of the of anybody out there who's listening to this, the earlier reference wasn't actually to Jews. It was the fact that Gumpy has relatives named Juju, and George mistook it and thought he was talking about <laughs> Jews. So but that was my natural default for saying it. Yeah. yeah. So it was actually a reference to. anti Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a cousin named Chewie. Right. Yeah. And, he, and, he and he's not even a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's what it was a reference to. It was an inside oh. joke from earlier. <laughs> so I think there are two good, uh, legitimate questions in there, though. Yes. Thank you, Gumby. One. Always has my back. Uh, Sorry for the Jew joke. <laughs> that, that may have been anti Semitic. I don't know. That question has always been asked mm -hmm. by believers and non believers alike. It has. Uh, and it's a fair question. You know, which, where, which one? Where, where is God when there's immense suffering any time throughout history? Right. That's, that's a fair question. The second fair question is, and we can go back to that one, but because I'm a Protestant, so I don't, I don't believe in purgatory. I've never understood that. I. That concept is kind of foreign mm. to me too. So can I interject? Yeah, no. Ooh, no, you no, just no. fire juice up with the purgatory comment. N.T. Wright, N.T. Wright is Protestant, mm -hmm. and N.T. Wright said there is purgatory. Not fair, dude. <laughs> <All right. laughs> he believes in purgatory now. N.T. <laughs> Wright, like the best name ever for a theologian. Okay. I mean, that's like Gary Player being a golf player, right? That's right. I mean, it's been proven that if you can speak in a good, consistent accent, you are more believable. <laughs> that, that's why when Juice reads the uh, paraphrasing, it's always in an English accent. Hey, if, if I can keep it up and sound a little bit more Sean Connery-ish, it's going to be more believable. <laughs> so, Keith, what's your views on, on purgatory? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic. I believe it. I, I don't know. I think, like, the idea that Actually, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, and I was talking about how there's this thing called the perfect act of contrition in Catholicism, and it's the idea, like, since we can't go to, like, Mass right now, and we can't really go to confession under most circumstances, unless they do, like, drive-through confession, um, that instead, for forgiveness of sins, you could offer this perfect act of contrition. And I was telling her how I've always, like, struggled with that, because it literally talks about, like, you're supposed to have, like, total detachment to sin, and I'm like... I don't think I can say that. Even if I say I'm sorry, I don't, I don't feel like I could look somebody straight in the face, let alone God, and say, oh, I have no detachment to sin. So I've never really understood logically how to do a perfect act of contrition. So purgatory really relates to me because I'm like, of course I'm not going to be like, if I'm supposed to be like 100% pure when I get to heaven, like, of course I'm not going to be. Somebody's got to do something to me, whether it takes three seconds or takes 300 years in a fiery furnace. Like, okay. you know. So I'm hoping for last rites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so George is at the extreme end of that. I'm more in the middle. Unpack that a bit because maybe we don't fully understand the concept of what purgatory is supposed to be. Go ahead, Keith. <laughs> oh, I'll try. I mean, I mean, purgatory is simply, you know, you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven at that point. Okay. You're, you're one of the elect or, or however you put it, but you're undergoing purification because no unpure thing can enter heaven. And we still have, you know, this propensity towards sin. We, even when we ask for forgiveness, even when we're baptized, even mm -hmm. when we, you know, 
whatever, we still, you know, have some sin on us. <laughs> so what um, happens in purgatory to help, like, cl cleanse you of these or detach you from your sins? I don't think we can really, I mean, I think probably some folks have speculated on that. Um, it's supposed I mean, that's to all be, you could do, right? Because it sounds like a bunch of baloney. I mean, it just well, doesn't, I mean, I mean, like you said, the, I mean, I could think of like a million sins that I've probably done. And like, I don't regret them. <gasps> a thousand percent. So, can can I? Like, me, so, how does ahead. that get washed from you? Like, how? And I mean, I can't be alone if, in that. If if I can make a reference to Gabriella Amert, um, he oh, was. Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he was he was the the, the chief exorcist for the Vatican, right? So, um, and and he actually was given a vision of Helen Purgatory. And he said that what really, really mind boggled him was the fact that the people in hell still did not believe in God. That what that he said that really messed with his head because he could he could see people's thoughts that were in purgatory and were in hell. And he said what really messed with him was that people in hell Still did not believe in God. Wait, who saw these people in hell? Gabriel uh, Emmer. He was the uh, chief exorcist for the Vatican, and he said, he said he couldn't conceive of that—the fact that they're in hell and they still didn't believe. But he said that's what he saw. And then the people that were in purgatory were bowed in obeisance, and they were slowly being purified of any past sins they had. And it's kind of like a refining fire where. Where whatever's whatever is left afterwards, that's the true you, and that's what gets to go to heaven. Hmm. You know, it burns away the impurities, kind of like metal. So, okay, let me ask again, because I'm a drummer. Okay, <laughs> unpack that a little bit in layman's terms. What is purgatory? Is it a transition? It's like place? a holding cell. So it's like a holding cell. Okay, and then when you're there, doesn't sound very fun. It's it's not supposed to be fun. <laughs> it's like quarantine. I can relate to it. Exactly. Are we in purgatory now? <laughs> this is so so. This is you're kind of experiencing a little bit of purgatory right now. <laughs> is there a Nintendo Switch in purgatory? Because if that's the case, I'm like, not. No, we don't know that for sure. How do you know? Yeah, thank you, Keith. How do you know there's no Nintendo Switch in purgatory? Wait, you know what? It's like. There's a Wii U. It's not a Nintendo Switch. It's a Wii U. It just hey, has listen, no. I, I like the Wii U. I'm the only, I'm the only problem I, was I was the only too. one that got one, and I'm salty because they're making me buy all the games for Switch now full price again, and I'm See, salty. We talk Other about people. this sometimes, George, because I was a Wii U fan too. But we'll save that for another time. That's another day. Yeah. See, Father, <laughs> Father Gabriel, Gabriel uh, uh, and Mert, he definitely said the only thing that was down there was an Atari. I would play Atari. <laughs> and he said on the Atari, he said on the Atari, the only thing that was there was Pong. Like the ET, the ET game that didn't work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a, it's a Nintendo, but you have to like keep blowing into the cartridges to get it to work still. Like, like that's it. If you can pass, that's the test to get into heaven. That's how you detach all your sins. If you can get the Nintendo to work and like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> That was almost a spit take. Wow. So, <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to right. get a little bit more from you. What is, the, from the Catholic's perspective, what is the point of purgatory? Keith, your turn. 
<laughs> I've always, I've, I don't know why this is appealing. Like, what's what's the term? I mean, since the juice, you're more into like working out and stuff. Um, <laughs> like, like, like the sweat workout. Like, you like don't you like go in the gym and like lift weights yeah. and the sauna and like you sweat it all out. Like, I don't that's know. Actually, that's that's actually good allegorically. That's true. Yeah, I, it sounds like a really intense workout to like get it's yourself a, buff enough for heaven. <laughs> that's and that's why I relate it to metallurgy, right? Because mm. if you like, so I loved studying sword making when I was younger, right? Because I loved samurai swords and everything else. Well, in metallurgy, you have to get all the impurities out because if there's any impurity left in the metal, once it clanks, it shatters, right? So the whole idea behind that is that it's a purification process and every impurity must leave because if you have any impurities, once you enter heaven and stand before God, then you would cease to exist, right? So so you have to get every impurity out of you just like you would if you were refining a sword. So what if you don't get every impurity out of you? What, do you go down south? If you're in purgatory, is there any chance you're going south from there? None. I mean, so if you're in purgatory, you're you're in the clear. You're going. It's to just heaven. a matter of time. Yeah. Yes. It's it's you you are being refined until you're ready. Okay. Yeah. Is it? And is it, and by the way, prayers can expedite that because that can help cleanse you faster. So um, if you pray for those who have passed away, then that can actually expedite their process and and expedite the process of getting all those impurities out of your soul. Can you be so, Catholic and not believe in purgatory? Well, I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> I mean, is it is it? In other words, is it just like you know, from my upbringing, I don't necessarily believe in the rapture, or premillennialism, or post. Does bring it believe in the rapture? X Y I. No, not really. I mean, so, we believe in the second coming of Christ, but we don't believe in a premillennial rapture because there's so many yeah. different interpretations of it. Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking from the Catholic point of view, if you don't believe in that, where does that leave you? I mean, you would just be – you would even if you don't – I'll put it to you this way. If you don't believe in death, you're still going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. Okay. So if you don't believe in purgatory, as long as, you're, as, long as you are saved by God, you're still going to go to purgatory. Okay, so it's so. just a theological yeah. issue at that point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't come up a lot at Mass or anything like that. <laughs> or there's, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> Now is it if you <laughs> if you go to hell are you stuck in hell, or can you like can you like carve your way up the purgatory, <laughs> hang out and then eventually get to the high ground? How so, accurate is the good place? <laughs> there 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 are stories, there are stories of people who went to hell and then were immediately pulled out of hell. Yeah, it's called Spawn. It's a good comic book. <laughs> but that's basically. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but uh, believe it or not, Spawn's actually based on true stories, um, because there's a series of different people who went to hell. One was recent. Um, I forget her name. I'll pull it up. There's a lady who actually went to hell, and she said her soul was immediately pulled back by uh, by Michael the Archangel and pulled her right back out because she said it's not your time, or he says not your time. The prayers have saved you, and she had she had she had been dead for a little bit. And then um, she was resuscitated and came back to life, and that's when she came back with the story of how she was pulled back out of hell. So when she does die, so, though, she has hell to look forward to. No, because— it's not, it's because not her time to go to hell, or it's not her time to die? It wasn't her time to die. So, so she's going to hell. No, no. That's what it sounds like, she, came, if she died if she, she went to hell. No, she came to the faith after that. 
She came to the faith after that. And so... So what was her sin? Just not believing? I thought you said that was okay. She was not a believer previous to that. So they were sending her to hell for that? No, because now she, she came to the faith. But before she came to the faith, she was going to hell for that. Mm-hmm. I thought you said that was okay. I was... We, we, we had, like, so many wait, arguments wait, wait, about... what was okay? Which, um, which part? Not believing in God is, like, the biggest sin. If you so here's the difference. And you were telling you were telling me like you were like fluffing it off. You're like no. No, no, no. So here's the difference. Are you if you are honestly searching for God, we believe that you can find your way, your path to salvation. And that that even goes for Hindus and Buddhists. We believe that Whoa. if people are honestly searching what? for salvation, they can still find their way to salvation. It's actually right in our catechism. I think it's what eight forty two. I think in the catechism, right? I don't know the exact number. <laughs> I believe it's. I believe it's. I believe it's around eight forty-two, where it talks about the Hindu and the Buddhist. But it, if you are honestly seeking salvation and you never had time to understand who Jesus Christ was or real salvation was, we believe you can still find your path to salvation. All right, what's if I? So, I have no problem like seeking out God, but I do not believe it's Jesus or any of that. Well, that's not up to us. That's up to God. But I'm just saying in general, but for what you know, I'm not your judge. But I'm just saying right now, just to let you know, like with what you were just talking about, right. where does that belief get me? I don't know. Well, you know that what that woman did, and she went to hell. Yeah. So what's where's my belief send me? Again, brother. Come on. thank you. <laughs> I'm so, like so this, falling, and it's like I had Gumby. I'm like, parachutes <laughs> 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 I'm like, come here, always hit my back. That's kind of like that. She was just like a little bit further. He's like, I was going to let him fall a little further. That's kind of like, we made the hell together, man. That's kind of like a story I heard this week. There was four passengers on a plane. There was a kid, Donald Trump, a priest, and a rabbi, right? And so like, all of a sudden, the plane starts going down. And the rabbi says, well, I'm, I'm the leader of an entire synagogue, so I have to get back down. And so he grabs the first parachute, and he jumps off, all right? And so then uh, the the priest the, – the priest was the last one. Hold on. So then the, the, the second was the teacher. The teacher says, well, I have a, an entire school I have to take care of. And so the priest says, you take it. Jump out and go. I see and, where this is going. And so, and so you know, she grabbed it, and she jumped out. And Donald Trump says, I'm leading the entire country. I have to go. And grabs one and jumps. And the <laughs> priest goes and he hands the he goes to hand the little girl the, <laughs> the the parachute. And she says, No, we're okay, there's still two. And he says, Wait, but I thought that I thought that Trump already took one. And she said, No, the smartest man in the world took my backpack. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> Hey, ho, thank you. It really is 12%. Yeah, because yeah, I totally screwed that joke up. So, I only heard it one time. I didn't rehearse it, you know. I got it. I got to give it. you an idea of the state of, of political propaganda in the nation and the world, the first time I heard that joke, the, whoever told it replaced the priest with Donald Trump. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So what about other faiths under the Christian branch that doesn't believe in um, purgatory? Is that okay? I mean, I don't 
I'm not a big enough student of other faiths to know if they have a purgatory. Um, well, just, I, just other Christians. Well, some uh, there are Anglicans that do believe in purgatory. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so like N.T. Wright or something? Like N.T. Wright does, yeah. And he was an Anglican bishop. Um, but I'm, I, I mean, there are some people here and there, but it's so hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It's not in other theologies. Like Anglicans don't teach purgatory, but some Anglicans do believe in purgatory. So from so, an evangelical perspective, is there an equivalent to that? No. It's heaven or hell. <laughs> Black or white. <laughs> you know, luckily, us Catholics have a little bit of gray in between. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, is like in, I mean, I can't think of a, like a, a good way to like not do this in, and be like a nice person or whatever, but even... <laughs> Even in like, you know, Catholic circles, like say you're at a funeral and somebody's like delivering a eulogy, like there's just a, a strong impulse even there, even where we like understand purgatory, we think 99.99% of people saved are there to say like, oh, they're in heaven. So yeah. it's like an awkward thing. <laughs> yeah. When in reality, even though it's not bad, it's not bad to be in purgatory. If you got in purgatory, that's a pretty good place. Yeah. It means you're, means you're on the right path, right? You guys didn't make it sound too good though. Well, again, you're on the right path. It's kind of like a workout, right? So so when you first start a workout, you're sore every single day, often for like 30 straight days. You're sore, right? But then after you reach that 30-day mark, all of a sudden, you're in the groove, you know, and you're going. You feel better. Pur purgatory is that those first 30 days. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah, okay. Alright. Yeah, but I mean I feel like <clears throat> yeah. yeah, we inherited from the Jews. For yeah, <laughs> you know what? I, I just feel like for comforting people when someone dies, it's just it's not a fun way to I don't know, talk about the relative or loved one that passed away is that they're hanging out in purgatory. You wanna you want them to think you know, they're in a better place. I don't think purgatory sounds very rewarding. Well, again, that's that's why we don't judge. We're not we're not judges. We don't know where they went, right? So we but hope ninety nine point nine with the purgatory. I thought that's what he just said. We we hope we <laughs> hope that they go to heaven, right? Because that's what saints do, and we hope they're a saint, right? What about if they clearly went to hell? Do you guys think that's funny? We don't think that there is a an, a clear cut hell. Okay, we don't think we he don't. Said, he said fiery furnace. No, no, but what I'm saying is, we don't. We it's not clear. He said fiery furnace. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. We we are not the judge. We are not the judge. Okay, so we are don't have a clear cut. That guy's in hell because we're not their judge. Well, then you can't laugh and giggle about people being in purgatory, even though you believe 99.9 percent. People probably but we don't we don't know if they went straight to heaven or if they went to purgatory. We don't know. You're like they probably I won mean, the lottery. We don't even know well, if Hitler went to hell. I'm well, sure. one of these is presuming sure the best, where the other is presuming the worst. I mean, what's if he was seeking salvation that entire time? I'm taking you there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is though is that, that we're not judges, so okay. we don't know. Maybe after he went to Argentina, he found a priest and he found salvation. <gasps> Oops. <laughs> we don't know, you know? So, okay, all right. You say you inherited from Jewish culture? Yeah. Or Judaism? It, it comes from the Jewish culture. So even, actually, believe it or not, King David makes a reference to purgatory in the Old Testament. 
Okay, so Judaism as it exists today, do they believe in purgatory? Yes. Yeah, if you go to the Jewish, the uh, the Jewish virtual encyclopedia, it's uh, it's in there. As the belief that they follow. Yeah. yeah it's in there so (laughs) hey that's you know what's great is that we're not talking about covid 19 right (laughs) (laughs) you just ended that i'm kind of surprised at how quiet we are being about it (laughs) i know i I appreciate i've been welcoming something other than virus talk thank you george no problem (laughs) (laughs) we could talk about purgatory and nintendo's George, George had but, the. Hey, uh, before we get off purgatory, supernatural. So is. What's are you going to do spoilers? Is the, are you going to do spoilers? I right will now? do a spoiler. I promise. But the Catholics' uh, perspective on what even in the middle of the season or the show. Okay. Is it something like that? Um, I mean, they have a, they have a decent view of like, different religious things, but then they're totally off on like everything else. So, I mean, Supernatural definitely has a cast of writers and some of them are spot on and other ones are definitely don't know what they're talking about. So it's, you can definitely see the, the flow back and forth between the writers because, okay, so I'm a new Catholic. Mm-hmm. I'm watching Supernatural. Yep. What's his name? Goes to purgatory. Uh, Dean. Dean. Yeah. Is it completely way off or is there some things that's, yeah, okay, what's purgatory look true. like when he goes there? Actually, he's De- killing nothing but, but monsters. But Dean went. Dean went. To, Dean went to hell. I want to kill monsters. Yeah, Scary. he did go to hell. Yeah, but I'm talking about specific. Did he make his way up to purgatory? The time that he was in purgatory, trying to rescue. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. So wait, did he go to hell, so, make it to purgatory, then go to heaven? Is what I'm asking. So it depends on which season you're in. In some seasons he oh. went to hell, and other seasons he went to purgatory. Yeah, not the season in hell. <laughs> because I'm gonna These write a movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing a movie. Uh, it's gonna be a buddy movie. It's yeah. gonna be that scene in purgatory. Where Gumby, no, Gumby <laughs> gives me the hand, and I grab, and I accidentally drag you to hell with me. <laughs> then we have to like fight monsters up the purgatory. All right. Yeah. Pass yeah, the yeah. Nintendo game test. Oh. <laughs> And then we finally then like Jews is like, and then actually then like Keith and Jews and like conservative Mike are already up there with Calvin. Dude, no, I got Jews. Hey guys, like, what took you so long? And I'm like Bible over Bruise episode nine thousand. Yeah. Did you have a broken our, ladder? Yeah, that's actually, that's actually not too far off from how they portrayed it. That's, so. Yeah. But I mean, so and he was going to save his brother, right? Did, did you guys watch Constantine the movie? With Keanu Reeves? Yes. Keanu. So, did you see the scene where he was in hell? No. You guys I, need, I, I heard it's an underrated movie. I heard, like, it's, it's kind of making a it's, second surge. It's a really good movie. People are giving okay. it, like, more credit now than when it first Ke- came out. Keanu Reeves is trying to start a second movie. So, he loved it that much. He's he's That's actually, really? yeah. That's good. He's, he's, he's trying to do good. part two. And good for Keanu for, like, kind of falling off and then coming right back on. Yeah. Like He's a bad like boy. A, he really is a bad boy. He's awesome. <laughs> I love Keanu. But yeah, so he's he's trying to reignite uh, the passion for the first Constantine, which there's actually a whole class of people, big fans of the first movie. Nerds, yeah, <laughs> good nerds. I like, I like stuff like good that. nerds, right? But I can't say that I'm, I'm all about the Final Fantasy VII remake that just so, came out. So, but he's trying to reignite the passion for that. We have so much to talk about, George. Sorry, I know. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, before I get too far off. 
the rabbinic view of purgatory. The view of purgatory is still more clearly expressed in rabbinical passages as in the teaching of the Shemites. In the last judgment day, there shall be three classes of souls. The righteous shall at once be written down for the life everlasting, the wicked for Gehenna. But those whose virtues and sins counterbalance one another shall go down to Gehenna and float up and down until they arise purified. For them it is said, I will bring the third part into the fire and refine them as silver is refined and try them as gold is tried. So the rabbinic view is that you slowly get dipped back and forth in between, which we call purgatory, right, until you are refined as fine silver. That's the rabbinic view, not the, not the Catholic view. That's the so it has a redemptive quality to it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> For me, the jury's out, but I can't say yes or no. So. But it's a good beer. Underverse. <laughs> Underverse. Masthead, great job. You could it's, say purgatory is like a brewing process. I mean, whatever this is made of probably tastes like garbage when you first start off. <laughs> I almost spit. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Barrel aged people, humans, souls. <laughs> All right. So, believe it or not, this pandemic was prophesied by the great prophet George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though i actually have been thinking about it because everyone's given uh joe biden a hard time for stumbling over words and forgetting stuff i'm like i mean am i that old are people already forgetting about how bad of a public <laughs> bush yeah. was i mean he was the worst he it's was like so bad he was hilarious he yes. was hilarious he, was he is funny though I, he is a funny president <laughs> but yeah he was the worst public speaker of all time <laughs> where's the bumbling cowboy yeah <laughs> child to read <laughs> So I think we agree that, the pass is over. Sorry, go ahead. I'm reading Bushisms. <laughs> so here's an article that I pulled. Um, this is uh, this is from uh, I think it was ABC. I think it was ABC. So in the summer of 2005, <clears throat> President George W. Bush was on vacation at his ranch in Crawford, Texas, when he began flipping through an advanced reading copy of a new book about the 18 or 1918 flu pandemic. He couldn't put it down. When he returned to Washington, he called his top Homeland Security advisor into the Oval Office and gave her the gallery of historian John M. Berry's The Great Influenza, which told the chilling tale of the mysterious plague that would kill more people than the outbreak of any other disease in human history. You've got to read this, Fran Townsend remembered the president telling her. He said, look, this happens every hundred years years. We need a national strategy. Thus was born the nation's most comprehensive pandemic plan, a playbook that included a diagram for global early warning systems, funding to develop new rapid vaccine technology, and a robust national stockpile of critical supplies such as face masks and ventilators, Townsend said. The effort was intense over the ensuing three years, including exercises where cabinet officials gamed out their responses, but it was not sustained. Large swaths of the ambitious plan were either not fully realized or entirely shelved as other priorities and crises took hold. 
But elements of that effort have formed the foundation for the national response to the coronavirus pandemic underway right now. Quote, despite politics, despite changes, when a crisis hits, you pull what you've got off the shelf and work from there. Un- uh, end quote, Townsend said. When Bush first told his aides he wanted to focus on the potential of a global pandemic, many of them harbored doubts. Quote, my reaction was, I'm buried. I'm dealing with counterterrorism, hurricane season, wildfire. I'm like, what? Townsend said. He said to me, it may not happen on our watch, but the nation needs a plan. Unquote. Over the ensuing months, cabinet officials got behind the idea. Most of them had governed through the September 11th terror attacks. So events considered unlikely, but highly impactful, had a certain resonance. Quote, There was a realization that it's no longer fantastical to raise scenarios about planes falling from the sky or anthrax arriving in the mail, unquote, said Tom Bossert, who worked in the Bush White House and went on to serve as a Homeland Security Advisor in the Trump administration. It was a novel idea. It was the world we were living. Mm -hmm. According to Bossert, who is now an ABC News contributor, Bush did not just insist on preparation for, for a pandemic. He was obsessed with it. Quote, he was completely taken by the reality that it was going to happen. Unquote, Bossert said. Now, here's the here's the fun part, right? In a November 2005 speech at the National Institute of Health, Bush laid out proposals in granular detail, describing with stunning prescience how a pandemic in the United States would unfold. Among those in the audience was Dr. Anthony Fauci, the leader of the current crisis response, who was then and still is now the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Quote, a pandemic is a lot like a forest fire, Bush said at the time. If caught early, it might be extinguished with limited damage. If allowed to smolder undetected, it can grow to an inferno that can spread quickly beyond our ability to control it. End quote. The president recognized that an outbreak was a different kind of disaster than the ones the federal government had been designed to address. Quote, to respond to a pandemic, we need medical personnel and adequate supplies of equipment, Bush said. In a pandemic, everything from syringes to hospital beds, respirators, masks, and protective equipment would be in short supply, end quote. Bush told the gathered scientists that they would need to develop a vaccine in record time. Quote, if a pandemic strikes, our country must have a surge capacity in place that will allow us to bring a new vaccine online quickly and manufacture enough to immunize every American against the pandemic strain, unquote, he said. So you can see from this story that this was put into place and predicted back in 2005. Well, I mean... (laughs) Not that so much it was predicted, but I mean, I think it's a, mm. you know, a way to be uh, proactive rather than no. reactive. He said it was going to happen. What COVID nineteen? No, Bush literally said it happens every hundred years. It's going to happen in the next couple of years. That's what he said. He said it may not even happen on our watch, but it's going to happen soon. He I pre- like it. He predicted it. You know, I, I like it, and I mean, 
you know, uh, again, again I, it's a way to be proactive. I'm not arguing yeah. with you. Why are you acting like we're arguing right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like, just like a gut reaction. It's like what I'm used to. Yeah, that's right. Okay, right. <laughs> not uh, sure why, George. Yeah. <laughs> You're acting like I attack you on this TV <laughs> uh, podcast all the time. Um, but yeah, no, you know, again, we were kind of joking about him not being the best public speaker. And I think a lot of people. You know, it was a stereotype that he was dumb, but I think, you know, that really kind of shows him being, uh, you know, proactive about a situation that definitely happens. It makes him look real smart. It makes him look like a good president. Mm. So, yeah. so I read a lot of, um, there was a period where I read a lot of biographies and autobiographies from George W. Bush and yeah, H.W. And, and those folks. And I mean, obviously, when he writes a book, it's going to be at least somewhat hagiographical. You know, it's going to glorify what he did. But um, I don't doubt he was well read. Like, it seems like he read a lot. Um, now, one thing, an interesting companion to this article is uh, I was reading a book recently from Michael Lewis, who was the Moneyball guy. Um, and uh, this book is called The Fifth Risk. And it's about the things we can't predict that we employ, you know, career people in the government, you know, the so-called deep state, the bureaucrats, to actually think about these risks and plan for them, like... You know, what if somebody steals a bunch of nuclear waste? What if a giant hurricane hits? What if a pandemic hits? And um, a big part of the book was describing how the current administration systematically got all of these people out of government. So literally probably a lot of what I, I don't I, I don't doubt for a moment that what Bush put in place was a lot better than what we actually have now. Because we had a, such a serious brain drain at these big, you know, administrative bodies that are supposed to think about and plan for pandemics and keep the stockpile stocked and actually have a coherent plan when something bad happens. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a chess game, right? It's almost like forgetting the strategy you had to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, man. What you say about Bush in terms of the pandemic now, I think about, uh, do you guys know what PNAC is? Mm -mm, Project, no. Project for a New American Century. I was going to ask if it was a cousin of Pinochle, but. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a. Jokes. It was a, it was a, uh, a paper written by a lot of people around Bush at that time like Richard Pearl, Wolfowitz, a lot of those guys in that administration. Okay. They've written a paper called The Project for a New American Century, How is America Supposed to Survive the Next 100 Years or So, specifically geopolitically. Okay. And what they described is needing to happen in order for America to sustain, sustain itself. Did they say turning uh, politics into a TV sitcom reality show? <laughs> Where... The best ideas aren't really the best. It's more so a 10-second burn or sound bite for the internet. <laughs> not, not in those words. No. But <laughs> what they did say in this paper was that they needed a cataclysmic event akin to the new Pearl Harbor. And anyone hmm. can Google search this. Okay. Google search PNAC and who wrote it and what it was about. Was it easier to find than Juice's TikTok allegations earlier? It was about that America needed experience... America as a whole, collectively, a Pearl Harbor type of event. Okay. 
an event that just so happened not too long after that was 9-11 that offered everything that that PNAC article suggested or predicted or we could say even for those who don't even believe in any type of conspiracy that people plan evil things uh, <laughs> planning really good right just so happens we got that type of event in 9-11 uh, PNAC was like what happens if planes or terrorists flew planes into buildings mm. it was it was implanted it was suggested it was planned like uh let's talk about if this actually did happen it's not going to happen but if it did happen what would america do how would, would america respond and how would our foreign policy look after that okay what would we do so you know they just lay it out like how everything happened then this is interesting. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, in a very real sense. It was kind of nice. Like, um, I will say, at that time, I was a lot younger, Avi. Um, but we were much more united. Like, it just seems like on the internet right now, we're all so divided. And we're all so mm -hmm. left and right. Like, none of us want to be middle. But, like, at that time, we're all, like, <laughs> it didn't matter if you were war, anti-war. You were, like, we're going to find these people. Exactly. We're, you know, we're, we're going to get them. <laughs> it did bring this all together because, you know, Bush that you brought up, you know, during this time, he laid it out pretty much for the whole world, right? After 9-11 happened, right, in America, he said this, speaking to all the countries globally, you are either with us or you are against us in regards to the fight to terrorism, hmm. right? There's no middle ground. That's awesome. You're either with us or you're against us. In other words... You either believe what we're putting out because we put the narrative out of what happened. There's no questioning that. Or you're against us. Right. If you go against the party line and you begin to question and you begin to have thoughts and you begin to step back and look at things a little bit differently than what we say, you could be an enemy. Right? Hmm. So that, that kind of feels like what's happening now with this whole COVID-19 for me. You can't really question things. Yeah. If you do, you're publicly flawed. You're put in another campus, conspiracy theorist, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not really given, there's no middle ground. You're either a flat earther or you believe it. <laughs> right? Join us for the rest of the conversation in part two.